Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. Due to the shallow breathing, victims' lungs begin to collapse in small areas, causing hypoxia and hypercapnia, a sort of respiratory acidosis, with lack of compensation by the kidneys due to the loss of blood from the numerous beatings and loss of bodily fluids results in an increased strain on the heart, which begins to beat faster and faster to compensate for that. After several hours, the heart will begin to fail. The lungs begin to collapse and fill up with fluid, which further decreases oxygen delivery to the tissues. The blood loss, hyperventilation, combines to cause severe dehydration. Over a period of several hours, the combination of collapsing lungs, a failing heart, dehydration, and blood loss, and inability to get adequate oxygen supplies to the tissues causes the eventual death of the victim. The victim, in effect, cannot breathe properly and slowly suffocates to death. In cases of severe cardiac, cardiac stress, such as crucifixion, it's possible that a victim's heart can even burst. This process is called cardiac rupture. The actual cause of death by crucifixion was multifactorial and varied somewhat with each case, but the two most prominent causes probably were hypovolemic shock and exhaustion asphyxia. Other possible contributing factors included dehydration, stress-induced arrhythmias, and congestive heart failure with a rapid accumulation of pericardial and perhaps pleural effusions. The breaking of the legs below the knees, if performed, led to death from asphyxia within just a few minutes. So spasmodically, Jesus was able to push himself upward to exhale and bring in life-giving oxygen. It was undoubtedly during these periods that he uttered the seven short sentences that were recorded. He suffered over six hours on the cross. Hours of limitless pain, nerve endings just firing 
painful signals through his arms and legs, convulsions, cycles of twisting, joint rendering cramps, intermittent partial asphyxiation, searing pain as tissue is torn from his lacerated back with every movement up and down against the rough timbers of the cross. Then another agony began, a deep, crushing pain in the chest as the pericardium, the sac that surrounds the heart, slowly began filling with serum, beginning to compress the heart itself. Again, in the prophecy in Psalms 22, verse 14, was being fulfilled. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. The end was rapidly approaching. The loss of tissue fluids had reached a critical level. The compressed heart was struggling to pump heavy, thick, sluggish blood to the tissues. The tortured lungs were making a frantic effort to inhale small gulps of air. The markedly dehydrated tissues sent their flood of stimuli to the brain. Jesus realizes that the end is coming close. And he gasped his fifth cry. I thirst. Again in Psalms 22, this time verse 15, we read, my strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me into the dust of death. I want to stop for a moment to talk about that phrase, I thirst. Some people see, well, see, he can't be God because God doesn't get thirsty. This is true. But see, Jesus was not just all God. Jesus was also all man. He had to represent mankind in his life and in his death. And by saying he was thirsty, he's showing us his side of humanity. The body itself was thirsty. But you could also link that spiritually. For Jesus said, Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall find it. Jesus told the Samaritan woman at the well, Whoever drinks of the water I give shall never thirst again. He is pouring out his life on that cross. He says, I'm thirsty. He's thirsty after the righteousness of God. And his body is thirsty for Hydration. Now, this was over the course of about six hours on the cross. Remember, he had nothing to drink since about 10 o'clock the night before. Here it is, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He's gone through the scourging and six hours on the cross. He's gone through the six trials that preceded all of this. Being beaten, humiliated, spit upon, slapped humiliated and, and just one thing after another, never being offered anything to drink. Now here it is, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
When he was first put up on the cross, the Jewish leaders were surrounding the place, jeering him, teasing him, mocking him, humiliating him as he hung naked on the cross. But now, six hours later, the crowd has dissipated. Only John, Mary, Mary Magdalene, a few other women were hanging around. The Roman soldiers sitting at the foot of the cross, playing dice probably, waiting for him to die. Their job was to make sure the family offered him nothing. They didn't mind if the family stood by, but they could offer him no assistance whatsoever. And that's what the guard's job was, to make sure nobody offered Jesus anything or any person who was crucified for that matter. They're bored. Soldiers get bored. Nothing's going on. When he's first put up on that cross, they joined in the jeering and the mocking as well. But now, six hours later, the crowd's gone. They're just sitting there waiting for the end to come. And they hear Jesus with a dry, raspy whisper of a voice say, I'm thirsty. So one of the soldiers, because the family could not do this, one of the soldiers took a long hyssop branch and put a sponge on the end of it, soaked it in vinegar, and lifted it to his face, waving it back and forth. Someone in severe dehydration and, and in that state sees this dripping liquid from the sponge and is waving back and forth. He's trying to reach out with his head as much as he can and grab that sponge and get that liquid. Remember, Jesus' face is bloody. He's marred. He doesn't even look like a human being. His face is all swollen. Lips are busted. Inside of his mouth is swollen and dry. His tongue is swollen. Probably some wounds inside his mouth. Through the squinty eyes because of the swollenness of his face. He sees this sponge dripping with liquid. And finally the soldier teasing him, mocking him, puts it to his face and he, he takes that vinegar on those open wounds and in the open wounds of his mouth. Imagine the pain that would induce. But there's also something else here. The actual... Greek word for this vinegar was sour wine. And if you trace back the root word, it means wine that has fermentation in it. Yeast. Which is also a form of leaven. So here at the very end, oh, well, let me back up a little bit more. That hyssop branch, that branch was also the branch used by Moses during the night of the Passover where he said, take a hyssop branch dipped in blood and put it on the doorpost of your house for the Passover. Here they are at the Passover. And the Passover lamb has a hyssop branch that's going to have his blood on it as it goes near his face. The blood of the sacrificed lamb of God is now on that hyssop branch. And he takes into his body the impurities of leaven, which represents sin. He's taking into his body the sin of the world. 
He had refused the drink at the beginning of the crucifixion because he wanted to suffer the total, all-encompassing aspects of the crucifixion. Now here at the end, he takes into his body through the pain and the agony of taking in that vinegar, he takes into him what represents sin into his body. And in exchange, his blood is brushed on the leaves of that hyssop branch, fulfilling a complete circle of Scripture that the blood of the sacrificed lamb would be on that, be on that hyssop branch. Amen. It's interesting that the end of the hyssop stock pointed to the blood of the perfect lamb, which is applied to the wooden cross for the salvation of mankind. Amen. Hallelujah. After this last drink, his body, now in an extreme condition. He could feel the chill of death creeping through his tissues. This realization brought forth his sixth word. As I said before, probably little more than a tortured whisper. As he said, it is finished. His mission of atonement had been completed. Finally, he could allow his body to die. With one last surge of strength, he once again pressed his torn feet with all the strength he could muster, enduring the pain shooting through his legs. He straightened his legs as much as possible, scraping his back up that cross, and with as deep a breath as he could muster, he uttered his seventh and last cry. Again, probably much more, not much more than a wispy, dry whisper of a voice. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he relaxed and slumped down on that cross. While the crucifixion is absolutely horrible to our physical senses. We will never understand the true spiritual agony of Jesus that he experienced in hell. We can just go over what he went through on the cross. Not one of us has had an experience of hell. Jesus experienced for each and every believer so we would not have to. There have been human beings since the days of Jesus who have been crucified to cross us. Even in today's modern age, in Islamic countries, as a form of humiliation, they will crucify Christians to crosses. But what they're really doing is trying to mock the death of Jesus, thereby sealing their own fate. And what the Christians suffer, even today's Day and age, if they are to be crucified on that cross, they know their Lord led the way. They know they will not have to go through what he went through 
after he died on that cross. There is no graphic display that can impress upon our senses the wrath of God that was poured out on Jesus Christ. He drank of God's cup of wrath completely. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, if not, let your will be done. He told the two sons of thunder, can you drink from the cup I'm going to drink of? We may have to go through things in this life where death seems like a pleasant thing. But we will never, ever have to endure the torture Jesus went through in hell. Wrath that was meant for us to be experienced in an eternity of hell. Jesus experienced in one moment of time, three days and three nights. That means that God himself, through Jesus, who is all God, experienced hell for you and for me. That is a love that cannot be defined. It can be experienced. Think about this for a second. God, loving his man, mankind, every human being, it's God's will that nobody should go to hell, but that all should be saved. Well, Brother Bob, why doesn't God just save everybody then? He could. He could if he wanted to. But then people would be serving him out of fear, not love. God gave man authority throughout all of his creation. It all belonged to Adam. Adam made the choice to sin. The devil said, therefore, every human being needs to go to hell. They cannot be yours. They can only be mine, says Satan. And God said, I will that every human being give, be given a choice. That's God's will. That you be given a choice of either going to heaven and living with him forever or going to hell and suffering eternal separation from him and be in the presence of the devil and all his fallen angels forever. In heaven there's peace and comfort and joy which means the opposite is in hell. There is no peace, there is no comfort, there is no joy in hell. Nothing, nothing but suffering, tribulation, pain, and sorrow. Is that what you want to live with forever? Would you want to live there for one day? Let alone forever? Jesus went to hell and experienced that for you so you don't have to. Amen. As I said, that's a love that cannot be defined, but it can be experienced. 
Do you know about this kind of love? Have you ever experienced the love of God? You can. You can do so right now if you want. Everything I just described, everything that Jesus went through on that cross, everything we've talked about during these past two weeks, the six trials of Jesus and now today the crucifixion, has been researched, studied, and now shared with you so you could know about the love God has for you and what Jesus went through in order for you to be given an opportunity to make a decision. That's it. That's what the whole purpose was, was to give you the right to make a decision. The devil doesn't want you to have a decision. But God said every human being will be given an opportunity to accept the payment that Jesus made on their behalf. Every human being be given that choice. That's God's will. And he told us in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I've set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. He tells you the answer to the quiz. If you were taking a test in school, A or B, and you're not sure which one you want, and the teacher comes along and says, here, choose A. She's giving you the answer. God did the same thing. Choose life. But it's your choice. He's not going to make you choose life. You've heard of soldiers diving on a hand grenade to take the blast with their own bodies in order to save and protect their fellow soldiers, giving their life for their brethren. You've heard of parents that ran back inside burning buildings to save their children possibly even costing their own lives in some instances. Why? They do so willingly. Why? Out of love. If we can relate to that kind of love on a human level, imagine how much more God must love us on a spiritual level, on His level. Imagine that. You don't have to imagine it. You can experience in order to experience this kind of love, the God kind of love, there are only two things that you need to do. And God gives us these two things that must be done in every instance, every person that wants to make that decision. They must do this. And it's contained in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 10. We read in verse 8. What does the Word say about this? That the Word, talking about salvation, the Word of salvation is near you even in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the Word of faith, which we have just preached. That if you shall confess, here's number one, item number one, if you, you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. One plus one equals two. If you shall confess and you shall believe, you shall be saved. Amen. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what you must do. You must have faith on this issue that it is true. Scripture tells us 
that this kind of faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So, you must hear the word of God, and by hearing that word, you will develop faith. That faith in God's word, that it is so, is what allows you to believe. Once you believe it then, you must confess it with your own mouth. As I said, nobody else can do it for you. Not your mama, not your daddy, not your Aunt Mary or your Grandma Smith or anybody else. Not your pastor, not even me. You have to say it with your own mouth that you believe God raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. I've shared my heart with you these past two weeks as we studied the events leading up to and including the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But I have good news for you today. The story did not end there, amen? Because three days later, God honored Jesus' sacrifice. He said, that's enough. And when God says that's enough, hell stops. Amen. Three days after Jesus died and was placed into that tomb, the power of God came into that tomb and raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. He showed himself openly to his disciples for the next six weeks after that resurrection morning. And then ascended up to heaven. Sit down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, where he shall come again soon to judge the living and the dead. Hallelujah. We started our broadcast with that this morning. He is waiting right now as the elements of time are drawing to a close where he can return for his bride, the church. You can be part of that. that we just talked about the resurrection of Jesus. You can be part of that next resurrection. It's called the rapture. Jesus, as well as many of the Old Testament prophets, have given indications from the beginning of time of what it will be like to live on the earth during the closing days. For centuries, people have thought all sorts of things about these descriptions. But in this day and time in which we live, they are being worked out right before our very eyes. We are living in the last days, just before Jesus returns. You might try to deceive yourself by thinking, well, I'll just wait until just before Jesus comes, then I'll become a Christian. Friend, that day is here right now. There are no other prophecies that need to be fulfilled prior to the rapture. He can come for his church, those that believe in him, and have confessed him out loud with their own mouths. He could come before the end of this broadcast, just one or two minutes. You do not want to miss this one opportunity you have right now to receive him as your Lord and your Savior. You don't have to wait and live through the next seven years of hell on this earth as the wrath of God is being poured out on those who did not believe. You don't want to do that. So if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord, I ask you to do so today. Just pray this prayer with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead, that Jesus paid the complete price for my sins, and you raised him from the dead. You accepted his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, and you raised him from the dead. And now, Jesus, I ask you into my heart. Take over my life. Be my king. Be my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. As you pray that prayer, I ask you to do one more thing. 
Email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org and let us know. We want to rejoice with you. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a good thing to rejoice with, and we want to know about it. So email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org. Amen. That's all the time we have for today. Remember, this is Resurrection Day, and greater is he who's in you now than he that's in this world. Be blessed. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.